All right. How are we doing? All right. Here we are, 2020, the year of clear vision. Um, I've, so I've been told, I'm going to work hard on my vision this year so it is crystal clear. Um, I don't know how 2019 was for you, um, but um, here we are, 2020, and I, and I, I think a new year uh, presents an opportunity, doesn't it, to kind of reset and think about, okay, what kind of year is this going to be? What kind of person am I going to be? How am I going to outwork my faith this year? And you may look back at 2019 and, and are glad that it's behind you. Um, it, it might be when you reflect on it as a year of kind of sadness and sorrow and struggle and all that kind of stuff. It might be that you look back at 2019 and you got married, um, and that was a good thing. Uh, Jessels, yes. Um, uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a really, really good year. And I think all of these things are kind of all in the mix when we look um, to the future. And then we kind of get into the, into the resolution kind of mode, don't we? Think about, okay, what am I going to do this year? This year I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to drink less. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to try out a beard. All of these kinds of things it might be what you're thinking about when you think forward for 2020. And some of you... Um, will do these resolutions and they won't succeed. Others of you, um, like this, um, is succeeding um, and is uh, currently changing the world. It's amazing. As I walk around, you're like, oh, man, that is something. Yes, it's a beard. Um, I'm going to keep going. I've got beard oils and everything for Christmas. Um, So if you come close, it's kind of soft and it smells nice. Um, But it's probably best if only my wife does that. Um, so we, we, we look forward to 2020, and it actually, we've kind of stuttered, haven't we? When we look around the world, it doesn't feel like an awesome um, beginning. Like, so I grew up in Australia. As some of you know, you probably can't hear it in my accent anymore. Um, but what's going on in Australia is utterly heartbreaking for me. Like you, you, you read on the news, and each time I, like, I'm calling my parents, I'm like, you know, you, you're still safe because, you, uh, you know, they live out in the country kind of a couple of hours west of Sydney. And, you know, you look at the stats and, and the stuff that's going on. Gosh, you, you, you take a map of the kind of area that's been burnt um, in Australia and you place it over the UK. And, you, you know, you've got, you're looking at land from, you know, the, the bottom of the UK to beyond Cambridge. Like, it is bonkers how much land. The, the stats are, it's like 500 million animals have died. 5.5 million hectares of land has been burnt, which is bigger than the size of Belgium. Um, the fire perimeter is more than 10,000 miles long. More than 1,500 homes have been destroyed. Thousands, others, uh, thousands of other buildings and structures destroyed. 10 million people or more breathing in toxic levels of bushfire smoke. It's Australia's largest ever evacuation that's underway. And you look at the, the queues of people trying to get away. Um, and it is frightening. Um, and then, you know, we keep looking around the world. We can see that, you know, in Jakarta, there's these horrendous floods that aren't really getting that much airtime in the news. But, you know, it, that has been an absolute devastation. Then there's what's going on between the U.S. and Iran. And I don't actually know what to say about that, apart from, gosh, we really need to be praying that God would pour out his peace that you know, somehow friendship would be able to emerge rather than war. Um, and then we look at the fact that Brexit is just around the corner and so much is unknown about what that could look like and what impact that's actually going to have on our lives. And then, you know, so that's on the macro. And then we look at ourselves and there's all sorts of things going on for us, the good stuff and the hard stuff 
you know, it, 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 horrible to get a message from the Morgans this morning to say that their house had been broken into and their house kind of ransacked. Well, I mean, that, what a horrible way to start 2020. And so there's all of this stuff going on, and yet we get to 2020, and this is this opportunity that's before us. But I don't know how you're feeling going into 2020. Some of you may be like, yes, excited, here we go. Um, and others of you might be thinking, goodness, here we go. And um, some of you, and, and if I was like, to be honest, me included, I, I'm feeling, you know, it's the 5th of January, and I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling a bit stressed out and a little bit done. And, um, and, and I can't help, I, you know, I've got this wrestle in me that something's got to give. And, you know, I can't just keep doing it as I've done it before because this is, it's not working. Um, and, uh, and so uh, what we're doing this year in this first kind of eight weeks of, of, of this term is uh, I want to preach through um, uh, a sermon series that it will just help us take stock of different parts of our lives. And during the, the vision talk um, last term, we looked at seven practices um, or priorities that we wanted to adopt as a church um, for us to, to, to make part of our lives, both individually and corporately. Um, and uh, they're things that we're going to look at over the coming, well, this week's kind of intro, we'll have a party next week, and then we'll go seven weeks um, looking at, and I'll tell you some of the things that we're going to be looking at. So we, we're going to be working in reverse order to what I said at the vision day. So we're going to be looking at Sabbath um, and, and taking stock of what, what does it mean to have a day of rest in our lives, um, how we do hospitality and friendship, um, you know, taking, taking note of what Jesus taught on friendship and hospitality, um, how we're using our time and our talent and our treasure. Are we storing up or are we living generously? <clears throat> um, how we're telling and teaching our kids and our friends and our family about the, the good news of Jesus. You know, I was struck in Acts chapter 4 where they, you know, the disciples are told to be silent. And they're like, you know, how, how can we keep it? And we can't help but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. Um, and there's something very freeing about being able to share. And then, then, then we move into what, what we will become kind of the three pillars of um, our expression of church here in Felton, and um, they will be um, our, our being the people who pursue the presence of the Father, um, people who are formed by Jesus Christ, and thirdly, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit and led um, and equipped and used by the Holy Spirit. So they're kind of the seven things that we're going to look at. It's not an exhaustive list. There are loads of other things, but I think that's a good kind of start. And if we start to adopt some of these things that Jesus teaches us and we allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in us, um, then we will begin to live lives that feel more free, um, we will live lives that will push up against the dominant culture that we live in. Um, it will make us as Christians and the church a little bit more distinct or different in a good way. It will make, make us be people who reveal God and what kind of God he is. You know, be like salt and light. Really, the purpose of God's people right at the very beginning, right at Abraham, um, was to be a blessing to the world, to be distinct, to reveal what, who God is, what kind of God God is. And we know, don't we, and many of us have experienced that God is good and he loves us deeply um, and he's transformed our lives and he's freed us from sin and he's given us a hope and a future. 
And so my hope is that as we look at these things over these seven weeks, um, that we will be able to step into the John 10.10 kind of fullness of life. Um, And so over Christmas, we're looking at joy um, and live a life that's marked not with anxiety or busyness or worry or whatever it might be, but a life marked with joy and peace and fullness of life. Does that sound okay? Good, because that's what we're doing. Uh, (laughs) So... Today is something of, uh, of an introduction. Um, it involves a little summary, I suppose, of some of the things that I've been thinking and praying through for quite a while now. Um, and it's, so, um, uh, it's not particularly practical yet. We're going to, over these seven weeks, we're going to try and make it very practical. Um, but today is more um, something to kind of get the ball rolling, get the conversation started in our hearts. Um, and, and I really hope that but that as, as I share some of the stuff that I've got prepared for today, that it, it feels like an encouragement. Um, it feels like, you know, Dizzy just gave me this balm for my beard, and it feels lovely. I promise I won't refer to that again, because um, we all know it's, it's not that great, but it will be. Um, uh, and, and my hope is that as, as we go through this, that this will feel freeing. It will feel like a, a balm, something that will uh, enable us to, draw breath, relax, rest, take things at an easier pace. That's my hope. And, and I bring today in particular with a little bit of um, fear and trepidation because I'm still a work in progress. That's my um, confession to you. Um, I haven't got all this stuff right. I'm trying to figure it out by saying it out loud. I'm kind of acknowledging um, that uh, there is a problem with the way that I kind of operate and that an overhaul is necessary. Um, and the answer is Jesus. Um, and so that is the plan. So today what I want to speak about is presence. Um, and I'm not referring to actually God's presence so much as our own presence. Um, and this is something that I feel that the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about. And that is being present Um, right now, in this moment, and in each moment. Um, We know that, and we read in Matthew 28, that God is always with us. He is always present. He he is here. He's speaking. um, He's moving. um, He's here with us. But us, on the other hand, and me in particular, I don't know, it might be that I spent most of this morning preaching to myself. I suspect maybe not, but I'll do that, and then if if it applies to you, you take it as well. But uh, us, on the other hand, we, are, we find it in, increasingly difficult to be present, being fully present in the moment to God's presence, to what he might be saying to us and doing among us, and, and to expand that more to being fully present to our friends and our family and what we're doing in a given moment. And I think it's becoming increasingly difficult for us to be planted in the here and now. And so many of us are worried about, worried and anxious about the future. We spend a lot of time living in the future, desiring that the future would come about. You know, if only, um, you know, it was this day, because then I would have got paid and everything would be sweet. Or if only, you know, the kids would move out, um, which for me, <laughs> it's a long way off. 
but if only they would, um, or if only the, the, you know, the debts were paid, or we had a bigger house, or the vicarage was finally ready, um, you know, we, we so often think and live our lives, you know, this is what I want, this is what, everything's going to be all right, everything will be sweet if, if then, and, and we become so distracted um, by that, that we are, we find it very difficult to be here and now. But I think and I believe that the call of the church is to be present right here in this moment, attentive to what God is doing and what God is saying for the sake of the world, for the sake of our town. <clears throat> and it's funny, isn't it, how the words of Jesus that he said in Matthew chapter 6 still ring true today for us. So do not worry, saying, what should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. There's like a, de a defiant trust in God in this moment. That's funny, isn't it? Something Jesus said all those years ago. It feels like it's quite apt to this moment right now. So here's my text that I want to have a look at this morning. If you have a Bible or if you have um, eyes, you can look at the screen. If you have a phone, open it up to Luke chapter 10. I've renamed Luke in my Bible with Justin. Um. <laughs> Did I say I wasn't going to make any more? <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Right at the end of Luke chapter 10. Um, I don't know if it's going to be on the screens, actually, because I wasn't that organized. Um, at the home of Mary and Martha. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples are on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, I ask that as we look at this passage of Scripture today, you would speak to us, you challenge us, you would form us into the likeness of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that, uh, that through all of the words that I say today, an invitation from you will cut through all of it that says, come to me, sit with me, listen to me, let me refresh your soul, restore you, remind you that I love you. May that invitation, that calling of Jesus to come and sit with him ring through everything I say in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just, I'm going I'm to go through that passage again. So if you've got it open, um, or again, it's still not there, um, because again, I wasn't organized. Uh, so, so let's have a, have a look at it, just kind of line by line. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Martha, um, she is... 
Mary, uh, sister, and Lazarus's sister. Um, they became a wonderful support to Jesus in his ministry, and she opened her home to him. Um, she demonstrated hospitality. She cooked him a meal, and it was a really good thing. It's a good thing that what Martha did. And you know, when Mar- you often think of Martha in the Bible, and she gets a pretty bad rap, doesn't she, um, as being the one that was kind of scurrying around, being busy, um, and and you know. She's the bad one, and Mary's the good one. Um, where all the people that kind of have a tendency to identify with Martha, which is many of us in here, are like, well, Mary's lazy <laughs> and should have been helping. Um, so she gets a bad rap when in reality, she was doing a really, really good thing. She was serving Jesus and she welcomed him into the home. Um, and so uh, throughout this, that would be my caveat. I, don't, don't lump Martha in bad and therefore lump yourself in bad. Martha was doing a great thing. Just bear that in mind as we carry on through. She had a sister, this is in verse 39, called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And this is significant um, because according to some commentators, to sit at someone's feet was, was like an official position. And in that day, you weren't accepted by a school, you're accepted by a teacher. Um, so you didn't apply to university per se, you applied to your rabbi. Um, and and if, you're, if you apply, and I'm going to read this, otherwise I'll make a mistake, and if you apply to your rabbi and they examined and investigated you, then you would be accepted and you'd be given an honorable position of sitting at their feet while they lectured and instructed. Um, so this is a significant thing for, for Mary. It's scandalous, actually, that, that Mary... Um, was chosen by Jesus, invited by Jesus to sit at his feet and to be, and to be instructed by him, to be taught by him. And this, this, this didn't happen in that day. Um, so Jesus has changed the rules um, in this moment. And it's such an encouragement um, to us today, for you today. Um, it might be that you kind of disqualify yourself from being able to sit at the feet of Jesus for whatever reason. Um, but I think this story encourages you that you are invited you're called to sit and be taught by Jesus, just as Mary was. And as you do that, you get to hear um, the love that God has for you um, and that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope they're okay. Then verse 40. Martha says this, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Um, I don't know if you ever find yourself being a bit like Martha. I'm sure there's a few of us that feel like that. Maybe towards a sibling um, where you just, you know, you look at them and they're like, they are not pulling their weight. They're not doing the job that you feel like they should be doing. And then you find yourself in a self-righteous moment saying, look at me. Look at all that I'm doing, working so hard. I'm serving the church. I'm cleaning the house. I'm taking care of the kids. And look at them just sitting there. As as Martha's saying this, um, Jesus interrupts her and kindly says to Martha, 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 um, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or in other manuscripts, it says only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. What was better? To sit with Jesus 
to be with Jesus. That's the key. The most important thing before you serve him with your time and your talent and treasure, whatever it might be, before you get busy with all the demands of the other things that life throws at us, the first thing is to be with Jesus. Mary chose the better thing. Now, just to, to, to defend Martha again really quickly, you know, Martha is worried and busy about a good thing, and that is about serving Jesus. She opened a house to him. She demonstrated godly hospitality. She's a good person, and Jesus wasn't calling her out as a sinner. She's not sinning here. She just didn't do the better thing in that moment. That is to prioritize being with God rather than getting busy serving God. And I think, I think some of us probably fall into the trap of that, of kind of diving straight into the service. I certainly do. Um, and, and it's a really good thing that you're doing that. But here is a reminder right at the beginning of the year um, to do something slightly different. And what I'd like to suggest, and this is why I read by a commentator on this passage, um, that he argued that we must learn first to, to, to be like Mary in order then to be like Martha to take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus in his presence, to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, and then everything else flow out of that, to begin with sitting at his feet. Um, and so if you take nothing else from what I'm going to say today, that is it, that we must find time in our lives, in our days, where we prioritize the presence of God over and against getting involved with the serving of God and getting busy with the demands of life. And so here's a question that I want to leave you with. <clears throat> um, how often are you like Mary? When you, when you take stock, when you do a self-assessment, when you look at 2019, how often did you take mo a moment like Mary and prioritize um, being totally present before Jesus? You know, whether that be during you know, a quiet time, reading scripture, praying, or, you know, in a service like this one, how often do you stop in your day and, and be attentive to the Holy Spirit, be attentive to the presence of God, taking note of what he might be whispering, even right now in this moment. And if I'm honest, I'm far more distracted um, and more like Martha um, than I'd like to admit. Um, I find that in my life, and you may relate to this, and I'm busy, I'm anxious, I get distracted, and, and these things are stopping me from spending time in God's presence. In fact, all of those things usually prevent me. It's like, you know, life gets busy, I get stressed, and the first thing that goes is my time spent at Jesus' feet with a quiet time. And, and maybe, maybe it is just me, but I, I expect maybe there are others in here that are feeling the same kind of thing. And there's two things, really, that have, have kind of spoken to me um, recently um, that have helped me kind of think, think through what it might look like for me to be present, coming back to this idea of being present in a moment. You might have seen a guy called Simon Sinek. Um, if you haven't, um, Google him. Um, and he spoke about the problem of our phones, um, our, our smartphones. And this is something that's been really challenging me for a long time, actually. Um, and how our phones um, are interrupting our lives and kind of ruining or have the potential to ruin some of our relationships. Um, and when I look at my 
my own life, and I'll keep speaking to myself, and then you pretend, you know, if, if it's true for you. But I, I, there's so many times when a, when a family meal, we're having a lovely conversation where the phone buzzes or a notification comes up, and my attention goes. And, you know, I'm having a conversation with, my, with Molly about probably, I mean, most of you have probably heard that she lost a tooth yesterday. If you haven't, there's still time, and she will tell you. Um, so we we're having these conversations and my phone buzzes in my pocket. And it might be that nobody notices that my phone has buzzed in my pocket, but mentally I'm gone. And I'm totally distracted from what it was um, that I was doing, the conversation that I was having. And, and what's happening for us is that we're becoming massively connected digitally, um, but uh, that connection is causing a disconnect with the, the here and now. And um, it, it, I, for, for me, I feel like it's, become something of a problem. If it's on a table and it buzzes, um, then not just me, not, not only do I notice, but then the person I'm spending time with notices, and then we're all distracted, and we lose a moment. You know, even yesterday when I was at the zoo, uh, we went and took Max, it was his birthday yesterday, we took him to the zoo, it was cool. The amount of times I got my phone, I'm just confessing it to you, I feel really good for saying it to you guys. Um, <laughs> The amount of times I got my phone out, for no good reason, didn't even buzz. I, you know, there's this scientific kind of thing, apparently, that we feel our phone buzz in our pocket, even though it hasn't. Have you ever experienced that? It's like, oh, that was my phone. Oh, wait, my phone's not in my pocket. It's there. So, I, you know, it, it, it is interrupting our lives. So, it, so it's, it's, it's doing something quite wrong in our relationships. But then I kind of think about it in terms of church and, and our relationship with God, and how often is our phone kind of taking us out of a present moment? Could it be that there have been times when the Lord has been speaking to you, revealing something to you in Scripture, or during a sermon, or during a ministry time, and the phone has buzzed, and it's taken you right out of that moment, and you've missed what it was that God was saying. And there's so many blessings, aren't there, about social media and so on. Like, I, 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 think, I think there's lots, lots to celebrate about that, but equally, I think it's important to be really wary of how they're taking us out of our, the current moment. It's distracting us. It's stopping us from being present. Um, John Marcoma writes about how, you know, our phones are effectively like a toddler just screaming for our attention. And our whole life is kind of geared around reacting to when that phone goes off rather than being proactive. Um, and so he's, actually, I'll send a little podcast around to everybody if you're interested. Um, and he's got like these 10 kind of things that he's thought through about how he can, he can be in control of his phone rather than his phone control him. But my, my, my fear is um, with these phones is that it is taking us away from what the Lord might be saying or doing. Can you imagine if Mary had a smartphone? She was sat down at the feet of Jesus and her phone went off and be like, sorry, Jesus. Um, I'm with you. You know, so you kind of lose, you lose that moment. And so for some of us, there's a real challenge about the use of our phones. And I'm feeling it really deeply because I know that there have been times when it has been affecting my relationship, not just with God, but with my family and so on. Um, and so, uh, you know, who gets uh, the kind of screen time update once a week? Who always feels really proud of what it says about you? I really never do, and I'm not going to tell you what it said last time. Um, it's awful, but it's hurting my ability to be like Mary. <laughs> Imagine, actually, if, if we were to use the time, at least a fraction of the time that we spend on our phone, 
um, to sit at the feet of Jesus. What difference that might make to our, um, our spiritual life, our relationship with God. Imagine if we, instead of uh, you know, having our phone with us all the time, we invested in the relationships we had in front of us to be present. Um, that the difference that might make to our relationships um, how attentive we might become to the world around us. Um, and so I think that's a really important thing for us to be thinking through. Um, the second thing that's really challenged me is um, John Marcoma wrote a book. He's a pastor in America called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Has anyone seen it? Um, has anyone read it? Oh, I recommend reading it. Um, it, it, um, it undid me over the Christmas period. I, I read through it and I was like, oh gosh, I'm very hurried and busy and something needs to give. Hence what, what I'm talking about today. Um, and, and in it, he writes all sorts of things about the pace of life. It's like a social commentary. The pace of life. Um, it, it talks about how distracted we've become as a culture. Um, how very few of us feel like we have any margin in our life these days. It's rammed pack. You know, he, he even talks about boredom. How many of us aren't even sure what boredom is anymore. Because as soon as we get into a queue, we grab our phone out and we entertain ourselves. And, and it could have been in those moments of boredom that, God, that they could be used as times to prayer and listen to God. So there's all of these wonderful things that, 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 that could be tapped into, but our lives have become so full and our phone is so often the culprit. And, and he writes this one thing that really depressed me was... Um, is that the attentions, our attention span is on the way down. So if you're still with me, um, you're doing really, really well. But our, apparently, our attention span these days, according to some scientific doodad, I don't know how they measure it, but it must be true because it was written somewhere, um, is that uh, our attention span is, is worse than a goldfish now. So the goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds, and a later study revealed that we, we last about seven seconds, um, and there's so many factors to that. But our ability to be present in the moments to our family, our friends, our present to God in quiet time is under siege. And, uh, and I guess what I want to convey to us as we dive into 2020 is to be aware of that. Um, for us to take note of what Mary did. She sat at the feet of Jesus. And take heed of what Jesus said. Again, I'll read it again. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And can I say, uh, in closing, before we dive into um, communion, uh, I wonder if Jesus missed Martha. I wonder if when Martha was kind of running around, um, what Jesus was actually saying to her was, I want you to be with me. I long for you to be in my presence, for him to be able to teach her, remind her how much he loves her. And, I, and I guess I want to say to you and to me that that invitation to sit at Jesus' feet, to come into his presence, not filled with loads of agendas and to-do lists, but just to be with Jesus is an invitation for you this year. As we dive into 2020, there is going to be countless of things that we're going to be able to get involved in. There are loads of ways that we're going to be able to serve at church. There's going to be loads of stuff that's going on in work. There's going to be loads of all sorts of things that are going to be going on. And 
do you, I don't know if you've seen that analogy, but you know that you get a big glass vase or vase, vase, vase. Get so confused how you all speak. Um, uh, so and and you know you you have all of these rocks. You have the big rocks, which are like the important things, and then you have the gravel, which is kind of like the the white the white noise, the urgent, the continual urgent things, and um, all of these things fit in this vase, but only if you put the right thing in first. And and so what what I want to suggest to you today. Um, is to get the big rocks in first, the important things in first. And don't let the gravel take the space that prevents those big rocks from fitting in the vase. Does that make sense? And, um, and I think the number one thing, before we dive into any other of these kind of seven priorities and practices that I'd love us to think about how we can adopt as churches and as, as individuals, would be to prioritize the presence of God. To find time in your day, every day, where you can sit with Jesus, even if it's with a short time, and be attentive and be present. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Don't allow yourself to be hurried, um, because that's what our whole life is like, but slow down and be present and listening. And so my, this is my plan for 2020. I'd love you to hold me accountable to it, is to be intentional um, and deliberate about how I use my time and about how I use my phone. I'm going to work on putting some practical steps in place, which I've thought through and I'm starting to adapt. And I, I will talk to you about them in due course, particularly over these seven weeks. But the, the purpose of doing these things right at the beginning of 2020 is that I want to be present. I want to be engaged with God. I want to be engaged with my family. I, I hate the fact that so often my, my attention is diverted from the important things Sometimes it's important to them sometimes, the teeth, but important things that my children want to say to me or the important moments. You know, how many moments have I missed or how many things have God said to me that I've missed because I haven't made a decision. I'm going to be present. And uh, let's remember the story of Mary and remember that, that, that she chose the better thing and that was to be present with Jesus. And I've extended a little bit to be present with our friends and family as well. Um, because that will pay dividends. It will deepen your relationship with Jesus, and it will deepen your relationship with God, with your family, with my friends. It will make us more attentive to the world. And in so doing, what, I, what I'm believing, particularly as we look forward to this next kind of seven weeks together, is that, that God will bring great joy as he frees us from some of these things, and that this fullness of life that's in offer in Jesus will, will be realized in our life and in our days through the Holy Spirit. Um, so I'm quite keen for this. Are you up for it?